Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again, Morning Blues, episode 2, and we've somehow reached the end of the week. I don't know if if it's the same for you. Early January always feels like a real slog. Like, I have my birthday on the 1st, but when people put down January, I, I can't really argue with them because it seems to go on forever. And we're only at the 12th, it's just, please, can we get to at least February? Can it get less cold? Can it be less dark in the mornings um in today's show we're going to look at chelsea surprise 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 going for another brighton player I, i'm sure we're all really shook by that we've never done that before also newcastle apparently are going to have to sell some of their players uh, and, and could chelsea capitalize on that we're going to speak about pochettino getting that dreaded vote of confidence and there's I'm sure there's some other stuff we could pick up along the way. Please do like the stream if you're watching on YouTube, watching it live. Uh, Give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts ahead of tomorrow's game, the transfer window, all of that stuff in the comments below. If you're watching on X, thank you so much for tuning in as well. Please do repost, like, share on there as well. Um, Just some kind of uh, cheap plugs before we fully get going here. Um, of course, this week we've had a lot of content reacting to the Middlesbrough game, but in the last two days we've had kind of a 20-minute, I think it was about 20-21 minute news show where I looked at the poll that I put up on my YouTube community page, which I really like doing, and then we looked at Pochettino, the ways I think he should fix Chelsea, and then yesterday, the breakdown, it's a weekly show I do on a Thursday where we look at the numbers and the data behind Chelsea performances and players and yesterday it was all about the big discussion over Levi Colwell as a left back so if you haven't gone and checked it out yet please do go and do so Uh, really appreciate it if you can share that around and give me your feedback got some positive feedback from it yesterday but we're going to start off with Chelsea in a transfer window because of course Chelsea doing mad things in a transfer window as usual Um, and here we see the story from Nazar Kinsella uh, yesterday, Chelsea interested in Evan Ferguson as long-term transfer target. I, I'm not entirely surprised, and I'm sure Brighton are not entirely surprised. And they're sat there being like, "Oh, you want some more?" Like, but he's like that guy who, like Brighton, Chelsea, are that guy that's been beaten down enough times, but just is just stupidly coming back for more constantly, over and over again. And apparently, that's that, that's what they're doing here with. Uh, with Evan Ferguson. Um, apparently, Brighton will resist any move for the 19-year-old who has just signed a new contract until 2029. 
and could cost more than a hundred million pounds, of course. Uh, apparently Chelsea's reluctance, or sorry, Brighton's reluctance to lose another star to Chelsea is considered a major stumbling block. I mean, I, I really don't think that's the major reason. Um, and I have to say, as we saw, that that was their stance with with Moises Casado last summer. And in the end, Chelsea got their man. So I don't I don't particularly think that's gonna make much difference. I I have to say I think my my just resistance to this is as some people have pointed out, Ferguson has been a really good player for Brighton. Um but his numbers have slightly tailed off. And this is the general point. If we're talking about Evan Ferguson, if we're talking about whoever it is, I you know, I'd even put Osman in this in this category and um I think this is something I'm going to be talking about more and more as we reach the summer because I don't think, I mean, I'm, Chelsea will likely prove me wrong and do something stupid this month, but I, I think it's more likely we sign the big striker in the summer. And to me, I, I'm kind of of this belief, I don't know if you agree as well, that I just don't think anymore that we're going to get this saviour player that's going to come in, particularly a striker and change everything because... You know, Ferguson is probably doing well at Brighton, like a lot of other players at Brighton, because it's a good environment for those type of players to progress and develop and get nurtured. And there's a clarity throughout all facets of the club. You know, I know in recent weeks and in months, people have got annoyed at Chelsea um, or annoyed at the idea that we're trying to do things like Brighton. And in some ways, I have criticised that in the sense that you're trying to buy players of a level that probably aren't of Chelsea's level, or at least how Brighton operate. I think there's a reality there, despite the fact they have done really well in recent years that, you know, they probably are buying players that are then going to be moved on later. Chelsea is a little bit different. I think what I was, <laughs> my kind of hope when we would act more like Brighton is just act more efficiently as a club, act like a club that, um, is clarified throughout all facets, actually brings value with transfers, actually is looking for players that improve the first team, utilise Cobham a lot more. So that's what I mean, because Brighton are a very, very efficient club. Um, but I, you know, no one, I think, for me, can, can tell me that Ferguson, Osserman, again, I think Osserman's a wildly better player and more experienced player than, than Ferguson. It's not to say those two players are exactly the same, but whoever we bring in, it's like, do you have confidence they're going to walk into Chelsea and things are going to radically get better and they aren't going to fall foul to what Lukaku did. They aren't going to fall foul to what many players in recent years have because, as I said on Wednesday's show, if the script is fundamentally flawed, CGI and reshoots are not going to do much. I mean, you, you may be paper over cracks. And, and also to watch, you know, if you're playing a style of football that maybe isn't even the best to get, to maximise those talents, especially in an attacking sense, are you just limiting what you're you're paying for? And could we look elsewhere? And actually the, the most important thing is clarifying what Chelsea are right now. Um, another point that Nazar Gonzalo makes here, which is a fair one if we just look at the history of of. Chelsea recent transfers and kind of the strategy that Chelsea have at the moment of of trying to sign certain players and that is regarding wages. Osman uh, and Ivan Tony could demand more than 200 grand a week whereas Ferguson is likely to want around half that amount. Sure. Um, but again, I don't think that, that radically changes my view and 
you know, it, again, it's not it's it's not like buying Nicholas Jackson. Nicholas Jackson was a very under the radar thirty five million signing that was made over the summer. Um, this would be probably over a hundred million. Paul and Stanley's name is mentioned, who um, has got a lot of criticism um, from from Chelsea fans, and I, I have to say, I think for the sporting directors, I think rightly so. You know, they are in a privileged position, and I don't really think. You know, and I also don't I don't see this as inventive kind of investment. Like Evan Ferguson for me is not like it's not a genius discovery. Like I don't what everyone could tell you Evan Ferguson in the Premier League. So that that to me is is something that I'm just not really that interested in, to be honest. And I and I you know I've kind of been beaten down by Chelsea transfers going wrong. Uh second thing to say is this one, Newcastle, apparently having to sell. Um, I have seen reports around this and it, it kind of tied in originally to to Lewis Hall because we had a few months ago that I think before Christmas, didn't we? Just let me take a sip of my coffee. But we heard, we heard a few months ago that, oh, is there some confusion over Lewis Hall? Is he actually going to stay at uh Newcastle beyond this season and actually financially because they've missed out on any European football not just Champions League football does that mean they're going to have to sell some of their better players um and I think that in itself is a big question but then this ties into the fact that because of FFP Newcastle may need to sell one of their crown jewels to improve their squad if they want to comply with profit and sustainability rules this is from uh, Luke Edwards who Really good journalist. I was I was out in Australia uh, with him for for covering the Women's World Cup, um, and you know one of those crown jewels, as is mentioned, could be Alexander Isaac, Bruno Guimaraes, or Sven Botman. I think I was on. I think it was earlier this season. I was on a ninety minute show, and we were talking about Newcastle. And I just, I think my my view on Newcastle at this point is it, it does feel like they have gone to a place probably too quickly they have probably they're probably a year ahead of schedule and it kind of feels like with that with the Champions League it became evident to me quite quickly that their squad just was not capable to to withstand the demands of Champions League and Premier League football and trying not only to to compete in both but then also try and maintain what they did in the Premier League which was very impressive last year which is a top top four spot and you know the fact that Chelsea um, are in a similar place now to Newcastle in the Premier League table and you think about the narrative over those two clubs over the past year I think tells you how strained they've been and I think from a, a psychological point of view if they would have to you know if they'd had to sell one of those big players so early on only like a couple of years after signing them I mean that would be a real blow to them and I, I do wonder whether well one of those players could turn up being at Chelsea I mean Alexander Isaac again if in my logic I can't really be a hypocrite here I think my logic over Osman, my logic over signing a big striker is is that it's probably the same with Isaac right but uh, I I think that this is this is something that maybe for for Newcastle is a is a bit of bit of reality peter pan here <laughs> yeah commenting brighton would get 300 million pounds from chelsea um krishna here isaac would not be sold i think some of this is a little bit um 
of hyperbole and i can i can imagine if you're a newcastle fan maybe and listen we get a lot of stories like about chelsea and ffp right and 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 potch downplayed it last week i i do think there is a reality that newcastle aren't where they want to be specifically this season um but it's it I, I can't see there being this massive exodus and there still is a way to go this year like newcastle could still you think about where they were October, November in the Premier League table. I mean, what's to say by March they're back in contention for the for the Champions League spots? Because then you've also got to consider that they don't have European football for the rest of the seasons, and and they didn't get any. We knocked them out of the the Carabao Cup. So other than the FA Cup, which could be a route into European football for them, they're going to have a lot more free weeks um, to train and get ready. And that, that was the benefit, I think, for Eddie Howe last year, working with a smaller group, is that you could he could get them ready each week and they could go out there and they're a very intense pressing team. Like, And I saw I, I saw on the, the Athletic, they did a sort of a, a piece about this, about how you know, the style just isn't, isn't conducive to and isn't really working because they don't have players to kind of withstand the intensity. So I I think they could still get European football. Maybe that changes this, but I think it was just an interesting piece to look at and kind of see where Newcastle think they're going to get so quickly and actually it may not be. Um, here's Krishna again. Uh, it's probably more speculation, but it'd be hard to see Bruno, Isaac or Botman being sold. They, they seem like the huge crux of their squad. Uh, maybe a Wilson Almiron more fringe players. Yeah, yeah. I think I think an Almiron would make decent money at this stage. I mean, you look at what he's done in in recent seasons. How the perception of him and Joe Linton. I mean, think about Joe Linton. Like three years ago, no one wanted Joe Linton. He was widely seen as as a bit of a failure within the Premier League. Didn't look at all ready for it. Eddie Howe comes in, completely transforms that player into a really exciting midfielder, and. There probably is. There probably are clubs out there that would take um, Joe Linton. There's probably clubs out there that would take Miguel Almiron, a really confident player. Um, I think Willock as a midfielder has been ex an exciting talent. You could pro still probably get something out of. So, I, yeah, I, I, it's just it's just one of those things that I, I saw and I thought was was interesting to talk about. But I, I'm more interested here. Let me know your your feelings on this. I mean, do you think Eddie Howe will still be Newcastle manager in a year's time? I'm a big fan of Eddie Howe. I think he. It's more to do with the fact that when he was at um, Bournemouth and when his time at Bournemouth ended, I think that there was a lot of kind of revisionism over his time at Bournemouth. Like you've got to remember where he was and where that club was when he took over. Like Bournemouth were at a point where they could have been extinct, and thanks to Eddie Howe. They survived, they stayed in the league and it didn't take them that long, even though he went off to Burnley and returned to get to the Premier League and to keep them in the Premier League, given how small their ground is, given the the, the, the financial weight of the Premier League. And I always felt that the dismissive nature of, of people when he turned up at, at Newcastle, I thought would be... Um, made to look silly and that's exactly what he did and he, he yeah listen he's he's given a massive helping hand as as any coach would by the finances but as we know at Chelsea as Chelsea continue to prove just having great finances doesn't and, and wait in the transfer market does not guarantee you instant success it's a coach that's going to be able to utilize all of that and bring that into a team that's going to actually be successful 
Um, and, and I agree with uh, Bro here. Yeah, it's, it's it's struggling this season. Injuries. If you lose like 12 players, and I still say this about Pochettino. I still say this about Chelsea. It doesn't matter how much you spend. If you lose like most of your first team, every club in world football is struggling with that. You know, even like someone, a, a team like Liverpool currently, they don't have Mohamed Salah. Now, I know they won the other night, but they still had some struggles against um, Fulham. And even one player, Salah is a trans, he's one of the best, best footballers in world football, a transformative player who can do absolutely extraordinary things on the pitch. You take him out of the team and they're not the, the same team. That's just honest. I think any honest Liverpool fan would say that, like losing Mohamed Salah is, is a blow. You lose all of your best players. I mean, I, it's it's very difficult to to find consistency, to find chemistry, to find a sense of rhythm within your team. So I, I think that there's been a lot of harsh talk around Eddie Howe. Um, but we could see the classic sort of, wasn't it, Mark Hughes at Man City, Ranieri at Chelsea, where a new ownership thinks there's someone else out there. I mean, wildly, we talk about Mourinho coming back to Chelsea. Could it actually be Mourinho going to Newcastle? I mean, that would be that would be an interesting one. I want to talk about this one as well. Um, this is from Matt Law. Pochettino's future not in doubt with Chelsea in European contention. I mean, this is the classic vote of confidence piece that I've, I'm not entirely surprised we're, we're getting, um, given given recent results. I mean, this was this was something that um, we saw so often with Graham Potter, and I, and I would advise people to take this piece. If if you're someone that's very frustrated with Pochettino at the moment, and you would like to see a change, well, I would say think about where we were 12 months ago. Think about the amount of pieces we saw of this ilk. And I'm not having a go at Matt Law, but like the amount of briefings we saw that they're sticking with Pochettino, they're not moving away from him. Um, sorry, they're they're sticking with Graham Potter, they're not moving away from him, and then eventually he was sacked. So the idea that that him getting a vote of confidence right now means that he is that absolutely definitely going to be here by the summer. I mean, it'd be silly of me to sit here and tell you that that's going to happen because as we know in football and as we know with ownership, specifically this one, I would not be shocked if they made a change. Um, I, have to, I just have to say that. And that's not based on any insider information. That's not. That's just me based on what I've seen currently and based on what happened last year. Um, I think it is interesting that they've kind of, it seems to me they, they're maybe changing their parameters of success for Pochettino and that would be European qualification, which could still come through winning the Carabao Cup. I wonder if we ended up in the Conference League, which I, I think I think it is realistic Chelsea end up in the Conference League. Um and listen, as a fan, I I find I would find it quite funny if we went into Conference League because listen, it's the only European competition we haven't won. So you add, we just add that next next thing to the uh, the, the trophy cabinet next year, um, and I think we could win that. And then you get in the Europa League, and you know we we don't know where we are in terms. You know, if we won the if we got into the uh, Conference League and we had and you could say yeah, we got some form of European competition. Does he keep his role? Um, and it's what I said about Graham Potter this time last year because people asked me like Potter in, Potter out, all of that stuff. And it's like, what what would you want to see Potter do for the rest of the season? And my kind of level beyond just like European football, this, that would be 
a better team, a, a more joyful team, actual signs of improvement. And I'm gonna it's it's my it was what I said about um Pochettino at the start of the season. I'll say it right now. If between now and May I see an identifiable style, I see players improving under him as a collective, I see productivity. Productivity Productivity hasn't been as bad as it was this time last year if we're just looking at centre forwards, even though from a league position it isn't that radically different. You know, Nicholas Jackson on seven goals, um great um Cole Palmer's on ten goals, Raheem Sterling's chipped in with a few. So so the idea that like our attack has got better this year. And I know that to some people that doesn't seem accurate, but I, I would just advise you go and look at the numbers, go and look at who was playing in similar positions last year for us. And then match up, compare that productivity. And I think you, you there has been an improvement. But it's for me about competency. For me, it's about value. And for me, it's about seeing a team that isn't always amazing, isn't always going to, to win 5-0 every week. That's unrealistic. But I feel confident that we're heading in a progressive direction. And when I say progressive, I'm not just talking about style. I just mean as a club. The 1920 season was the one I referenced the other day. Like, although we got battered at times during that season, and although Frank Lampard's naivety as a young coach definitely exposed him at times, I think in general we felt that a sense of positivity that the club was going a little bit more like that, and fans felt more connected to that group of players. And that's kind of my belief with this. I, I think that Chelsea in recent years have ended seasons very dour, feeling a sense of where are we going you know, and that's really what Pochettino has to do to me. Uh, for for me, it's like he he has to progress the team, identify the style, and I'm not just talking about a thousand passes and nice aesthetically pleasing things. I'm talking mainly when I'm talking about here is productivity, intensity, a sense of rhythm within the team, a sense that players look like they are getting better under him as a coach collectively. These are very baseline things that I, I don't think are that difficult um, or are that unrealistic for me to ask of any coach at Chelsea. Um, and that, that's kind of my parameters. And I think if he does that, I would be a lot more happy and feel like, yeah, we're, we're going in a positive direction. If the if the current trend we have seen since like winter, like the, the, in, the November international break continues where Chelsea in performance-wise aren't that convincing. Yeah, sure, we win a couple of games in a very reactive sense. We get a lucky penalty. You know, we 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 kind of scrape out a few wins, but the style looks very week to week. Players continue to play in unfavourable positions. Players look like they're being stifled. And we do end up losing more games because Chelsea look like they're very much just kind of stumbling their way to the end of the season then yeah, I, I think it's a different conversation because I, I, I still feel that Pochettino could be getting more out of this group of players. I still think the fundamental problem lies above him. Um but that's just that's just my opinion. Let's look at some of your some of your comments here, um, which I think is quite interesting. Krishna here says, I know Nico gets so much flack online, but how many people actually expected him to have seven before going to Afcon? Yeah, absolutely. This is something I, I I it, it really frustrates me. It's like, what was the expectation level for Nicholas Jackson when we signed him? If anyone tries to tell me that the expectation level for Nicholas Jackson was of a 30-goal season striker of you know, no. When we signed him, the atmosphere was who's this guy? 
Why are we bringing in someone with no experience? How is he going to thrive at Chelsea? A lot of, you know, there was a lot of cynicism. And I don't think it was unhealthy cynicism. But And then when you consider the, the discourse around him as a footballer, and then you look at the fact that context, right? If we had signed Victor Osman in the summer and he had seven goals and he had similar type of performances and struggles to Nicholas Jackson, we're having a different conversation about Victor Osman because the expectation level should be different for Victor Osman. The expectation level for me with with Nicholas Jackson is look at this guy, the lack of football, just foot, not even just Premier League football, football at a very high level he's had. And actually those numbers... As I said the other day, when when you know um, referencing Timo Werner, should make you happy that he's going in a good direction. Even though, of course, he's not the finished article. Even though, of course, you could get an upgrade for him right now. But I think that's fair. Uh, Krishna also says here, to me, it's the been the fullback position that has really hurt the style of play. No excuse to play Levi Levi left back. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the thing we spoke about on yesterday's show, and I, and I completely agree with you that. I think my frustration at the moment is that, and and it's not when people say who would he have played there. Well, he, Ian Matson, right? Like he has had Ian Matson pretty much before Tuesday or Wednesday, or whenever the deal was confirmed to Dortmund. He has had Ian Matson available pretty much all season. Um, now, as I said, is it because Ian Matson is so bad physically, and the demands for him in that role? Just he isn't equipped to do it. Now, I know some people have pointed that out when we look at his performance against Crystal Palace, but I would also say he was he was playing as a right winger. Um, and it's not that he can't play that role. He played that role, I think, on loan at Charlton a couple of years ago and scored some big goals for them. So the idea, you know, we know that um, Cobham graduates, people who come through our academy are versatile. That's that's always what I'll, I'll back them up and say. But I don't know, the idea that... that Poch has had no options at left back, um, and and it's just you know you could you could have promoted from within. You know Boniface is is from the academy again, very young footballer. It it would have been a big ask of him to to play. Absolutely, I'm not sitting here and telling you that's a simple solution. But you know as we've seen with Alfie Gilchrist, there is value to come from Cobham graduates. So, and I agree with you that. It's it's all about also for me from Chelsea's point of view, and I've again this is a frustration I've had for some time. Is it's about asking questions to the opposition, and I mean that in an attacking sense. I feel that Chelsea and Chelsea coaches are constantly looking at how can we stop the opposition rather than how we can expose the opposition. Like you're asking a question of the team the other way. Like if they have a natural left back, they have to. Yeah, ben Chilwell, for instance, if you're an opposing team coming up against Chelsea with a fit Ben Chilwell, you cannot just go, you, you have to try and solve that problem because that's a dangerous fullback. That's a dangerous player going in the opposite direction. And for me, that is something that I I just feel very passionately that it, it's all about asking questions to the opposition as much as they ask questions to you. And I feel that when we're playing Levi at left back, I mean, we're isolating the winger on that side anyway. They're kind of 2v1 constantly. And then you're not really asking them questions. And and quite clearly now, teams against Chelsea are, are getting to a point where they're feeling very confident that they can just isolate the winger, isolate the fullback and go and attack us in the other direction. Actually, rather than use it... Isn't it possible that if you play a left back in that role, you're actually going to prevent 
those situations where Levi would have to do more defending because at the moment is he having to do more defending because he's not a natural left back playing in that role I think that's a I think personally that's a valid point I mean maybe you guys disagree um but yeah let's go for some more com comments uh Krishna here I just feel bad there is a clear disconnect between Poch what, what Poch wants and how the sporting directors have built the squad I agree uh Phil here says both Nico and Nunez have more they bring to the team I agree with that than scoring goals which is creating a lot of chances and creating space we are most likely to win more games with Nico inside than not I agree with you um, and Christian here says it's difference between Spurs this season and last Spurs have a set style of play they, they play every single game maybe some adjustments but there is one core principle that's the thing right like Spurs have had some bad results like they have had some results where things have gone you know one of those quite obviously was was Chelsea right like um, it was a game that I don't think was a good one for 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 Spurs and they're going to have those games under Postacoglu, but Postacoglu is quite clearly very intent and quite clearly demanding of that style of play. And that's why it's worked for Spurs this season. I just, before we wrap up here, I just want to talk about uh, Fafana. Fafana obviously going on loan, it seems like to Burnley. This happened so quickly. Chelsea announced that Fafana had come back from loan. And then within hours, I know Sevilla had been linked before, but within hours, we had David Ornstein saying that Burnley were exploring a deal to sign Fafana on loan. And now we've already got the here we go 10 hours ago. So I assume that's pretty close. I mean, what are your thoughts? I, I, I'm i not entirely sure on, on this loan move, to be honest, uh, because it's just very hard to gauge what level Fafana is at because we brought him in second half of last season I mean he basically gets lost in the mess that is Chelsea Football Club he then goes to Union Berlin I thought Union Berlin was a very good loan move uh, I think they're a very exciting club within the Bundesliga I thought he would get minutes now he personally or, or kind of professionally has had some difficulties there in terms of his his form but then also I know he fell out with the head coach there Union had a really difficult start to the year like they've sacked their head coach recently they they were in the Champions League maybe just a, a season two a little bit like Newcastle right maybe it was a it was too uh, soon for them so he's come back to Chelsea and now going to Burnley who I spoke about this with Santos I think last week that you know Burnley are in a situation where they're quite desperate at the moment now that could work two ways for Fafana maybe he offers a solution that company desperately wants and in that sense he gets more minutes than maybe he'd get at a more stable club. But in the other way, because he's very, very raw, does that mean it's actually going to work against him and he's not at a club that's probably suitable for him to develop? I think that's my concern. I hope he just gets some minutes for the rest of this season. And because Burnley have acted so quickly, I would like to think the company has seen that as an opportunity for a player. And hopefully we can get more of a gauge with... with um, with Fafana for the rest of the season where he's actually at because if you look at it at Mould very highly rated player that's why Chelsea bought him that's why other clubs wanted him he comes in he goes to Union he starts all right but he's kind of faded and now he's back at Chelsea so it's it's another good opportunity for him um I, I still advocate that I I you know and again these are loans that frustrate me and I think it sometimes is it something to do with kind of prestige of a Premier League loan and oh it's a Premier League club so yeah let's send him like wouldn't he do better at a championship club? Like, if you sent him on loan to a championship club, 
don't know, like somewhere like Norwich, for instance, for the rest of the season. Um, I know they have Josh Sargent, but Norwich potentially could be a decent loan move for him or someone in the championship where he is probably more guaranteed to get minutes. The spotlight isn't as on, on him as much as it would be at a Premier League club. Burnley are, are clearly going down to the championship again. And I think just generally they're not good enough to stay up. And how much is... Fafana going to get out of this loan between now and then as an attacking player? I think that's that's a big question as well. Um, just one uh, point here, uh, Krishna. Difference between Santos is now that he's with the Brazilian national team. Um, and then here from Phil, I think Fafana's loan to Burnley will work because company plays attacking football, which would suit Fafana and both of them speak the same language. So language ain't going to be an issue. I think fair point. Company has stuck to his principles and I respect that this season. Um, so hopefully if that's the case, he gets some opportunities, he gets some chances. Uh, BMR here says, Sergeant is having a good season, but was out for a while with injury. Yeah, I know he's only returned recently. But again, I, it's, I'm happy he's at least getting a loan uh, because it's quite clearly Chelsea have made a quick decision. Well, he's not going to get a chance here. That is what it is. And we see whether that means that Chelsea are actually going to sign someone this month in the striking department. So there we go. I, I had to change camera uh, halfway through the stream because it did break down on me. Um, if you're listening back on the podcast, please do give us a positive rate and review. If you are watching live, thank you so much. Thank you for all of your comments and engagements. I really enjoy doing this. And um, I, I'm going to be doing this every Friday morning at the moment, Morning Blues, where we take a look at Chelsea take a look at some other Chelsea stories that I, I don't really cover or maybe some stories that I just haven't covered in other shows. I'm going to be back later today for my team selector talking about the Fulham game and my thoughts and obviously we'll be reacting to whatever Pochettino says regarding team news in the meantime. So there we go. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to watch. I hope you have a brilliant Friday nearly at the weekend and I'll see you again very soon. All the best. Podcast Network.